This is the Tanakh Podcast with Alex Israel. Today, Yeshayahu Perek Lamed Vav, Isaiah chapter 36. Shalom, today is Shiva Asabatamuz, where we talk about the siege of Jerusalem in the first Beit HaMikdash and in the second Beit HaMikdash. Uh, Asara Batevet represents the beginning of the siege. Shiva Asabatamuz represents the penetration of the walls. And of course, Tisha B'Av in three, time, three weeks' time represents the destruction of the temple. And how appropriate is it that we're actually talking about a chapter in which Jerusalem comes under siege. Chapter 36 begins four historical chapters, chapters which essentially we've already seen in Malachim Bet, Perek Yudchet, Yudtet, and Chaf. So I really recommend that you, if you're not familiar with the story, go back and listen to the two podcasts for Malachim Bet, chapter 18 and 19, and you'll very much be you know, in the know about these prakim. But for those who don't want to do that, I'll do something very quickly. Let's recap the history. Chizkiyahu comes to power, and in his first year, he stages a religious revolution. He destroys Avodah and invites everybody to the Mikdash in order to celebrate Pesach, and he renews the covenant of the people with God. By the third year of Chizkiyahu, the Assyrians already um, advanced on the northern kingdom of Israel, and Shomron falls three years later in the sixth year of Chizkiyahu. So Chizkiyahu has to be very, very careful. And he essentially uh, first makes some sort of uh, pact with uh, Assyria, but eventually... Um, decides to betray that by making a pact with Egypt. And we can well imagine that the Assyrians don't like this. And that's where we begin our chapter. Sefer Malachim tells us that um, King Chizkiyahu tried to buy off the Assyrians by sending them lots of money and lots of bribes. It didn't work. And now in the 14th year, Sanchereb's army arrives um, in the land, destroys all of the fortified cities in Yehuda. And now he sends Rav Shakei, Mi Lachish Yerushalayma. Lachish is one of his greatest conquests. The conquest of Lachish, in fact, adorns Sanchereb's throne room. If you go to the British Museum, you will see the images, you will see the actual walls of the throne room in the museum. And Rav Shakei, who seems to be a very senior government official, is sent from Lachish to Jerusalem, Bechel Kaved, with a very, very heavy army. And he stands at the border of Jerusalem, by the northern canal, and now we have a standoff between the officials of Jerusalem and the representatives of the Assyrians. And you're going to have to listen to the podcast in full, or the podcast I did on chapter 19 of Malachim Bet, 
I will relate to one short aspect. Rav Shake shows himself to be a phenomenal orator here. He doesn't step a foot, put a step, step wrong here. He totally understands theology, can speak fluent Hebrew, so much so that um, the officials of Jerusalem, when they realize what psychological, what sort of motivational damage he's doing to the besieged city, they say, um, they say to him, Daber aramit. Speak to us in Aramaic. Because we understand that language. Don't speak to us in Hebrew. Don't speak to us in Hebrew because everybody, all the people are listening and they're being discouraged. And Rosh Hashanah says, Do you think I'm actually speaking to you? But I'm actually speaking to the population of Jerusalem who are so besieged that they are that these people are, sorry, please excuse me, are eating their own excrement and drinking their own urine. They've got nothing to eat. And therefore I'm here trying to get them to put up the white flag, to get them to capitulate, to somehow find a way of demoralizing them. And that's indeed what this entire speech is about. The first half of the speech, he basically uses the theme of bitachon. Who do you think you're trusting in? Are you trusting in Chizkiyahu? Are you trusting in Egypt? Are you trusting in Hashem? It won't help you. In the second half, he uses the verb lahatzil. Um, who can save you? Only I can save you, says the, the king of Assyria. So that is essentially what we have here. But I want to just try and relate to one interesting contradiction in this chapter. In the first half of the speech, he treats God with respect. And he says, Do you think I would have been able to come up to this land if God wasn't on my side? If Hashem, Yudke Vavke, was not on my side? He says, Hashem It was Yudke Vavke who told me, says Rab to come to this land and to destroy it. In other words, he's basically claiming that, you know, it, 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 that it's not that um, somehow he's more powerful than Hashem, but in fact, he is being sent as the agent of God, as uh, maybe an agent of punishment or what have you. Uh, in, and, and, and therefore, they shouldn't believe that God wants anything else. However, in the second segment of his speech, he uses a different tack. And he says, he says, uh, If you think that Chizkiyahu is going to tell you, Yud Kei will help us. Has any other nation managed to have their God save them from the great king of Assyria? We know from Assyrian records that the Assyrian king saw himself as the king of the world, the king of kings, almost on the level of God himself. And he says, Where are the gods of Hamat Arpad? Where are the gods of Saparvaim? 
Did Yud Kevavke save Shomron from my hands? If none of the other gods saved Jerusalem from me, then Yud Kevavke has no power to do it. What we see here is then that Rav Shake is a master of intimidation, a master of psychological warfare. But in fact, his speeches are inconsistent. In the first speech, he seems to claim that God does have power, but that God has sent Sancheirev and indeed Rav Shakeh and the whole Assyrian army, and that in fact they are God's agent. In the second bit of the story, though, he says exactly the opposite. He says, God really has no power. All the gods of the nations have no power. It is only the Assyrian gods who have power. And therefore we can see that this person really... Uh, he's he's a wonderful uh, stand-up uh, intimidator. He's got a, a, a fantastic way of getting under the skin of the Ju- Judean officials and the people in Jerusalem who are caught in a in a quite a devastating siege. And yet, when one really examines what he says, all of this is merely bluster. It's merely you know propaganda, and in fact, there is no coherent theology here. One bit of the speech contradicts the other bit. Okay, that's it for today. We'll continue with the story, Be'ezrat Hashem, tomorrow. Lihitra'ot.